Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you here today. We consider it a blessing and an honor that you would begin your new year right here at the Mount. Man, what's 2018 going to be for you? I don't know, but I know this. You're starting in the right place today. It is good to have you here. If you have a Bible, we're actually going to be in the Old Testament in first. 1 Kings chapter 17, I'll give you a head start because I know that some of us, that's not a book we reference much, so you might have to look at the table of contents. Hey, listen, there's no shame in that game. Find your place in the scripture if you brought a Bible. I want you to see it in your very own copy of scripture if you have it. If you don't, we're going to put the verses up here in a moment and you can follow along in that way. Well, it is good to have you here today as we begin this brand new season together. Uh, You know, as I thought about a culture that we live in, we often talk about this time of year about New Year's resolutions. New Year resolutions. I'll just tell you this, I don't like New Year's resolutions. I just don't like them. And partly because they never seem to work, right? What happens if they last for more than a few days to a few weeks, we end up feeling guilty about them and they don't ever make a difference. So I thought, let's just revolt against that this year. And instead of a resolution, let's talk about a confrontation, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's sermon, black coffee, no cream sugar. You ready? You ready? Come on. Be with me today. Be with me today. Listen, as we look at the confrontation, I want you to know this, whether you're a Christ follower or not, God loves you. And God's got plans for you this year. God wants to grow you this year. But is there anything in the way of you growing with God this year? That's the question we all have to ask. And if there's something in the way, we gotta confront it. We gotta confront it this year in 2018. Come on, people of courage. It's time to what? It's time to be brave, be brave. Now, let's just kind of start in a safe place. For some of us, guess what? December wasn't kind to us. We find ourselves in January going, man, I ate way too much. Some of you, you need to confront weight this year. Come on, it's time to stop putting that off. It's time to do something different. And last month, December, we took in more calories in that month than we maybe did all year, right? Just eating and eating and eating our way through. And now we're like, oh, I got to make a change. And January is usually a chance to look in the mirror and go, we got to make a change. Is weight what you need to confront this year? Then you're going to have to do something different for a different result. You're going to have to change what you do. Insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Listen, this year, if you're going to make a change, we got to tackle it. Maybe this is the time to look in the mirror. And some of you, you've had that same hairstyle a long time, I'm telling you. And listen, come on, sir, you're not fooling anybody with that comb over. Join the club. Come on, join it. Don't fight it any longer. Just take it right off. It's all right. It's all right. Come on, there's a lot of bald men in the room today. And you know what I know? Some of you, some of you, 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 you look in the your style needs to change. You've been wearing the same clothes a long time. 1980s is calling. They're saying, give us the clothes back, right? And that might be the change that's there. But for many of us, it's time to step into something. It's time to confront something that's standing in front of the progress that God wants for us in this new day. When I think about it, maybe this is the year to get out of debt. Maybe this is the year to get healthy. Maybe this is the year to finally get the courage to walk across the room or to pick up the phone and ask her to go on a date. Or maybe this is the year to finally get married, 
Come on, you've been engaged for three years and you've been together five years before that. It's time to cross the line. Make a commitment. Come on, is that you right now? And then I think about the landscape of a multi-generational church. Some of you this year, you're taking care of some aging parents. Or maybe this year, you're in the process of adopting a child. Or maybe right now you're even pregnant and and this next year is going to be a new beginning for your family and this new birth. But what is it? What is it this year that you really need to take hold of and you need to face so that you can move forward? Maybe that degree that you've been kicking around, it's time to finish the degree. It's time to get it done. It's time to start that business. It's time to take that leap into that new adventure. Is 2018 going to be that that landmark year where you finally get some courage to be brave and you move out, you move out in it. Now, when I was thinking about this in in regards to our lives with God and also thinking about this in the lives with others, maybe this is the year you finally confront that unhealthy relationship. Or maybe this is the year you finally get enough courage to go to counseling before it's too late. What is the step? What is the step that you need to take? You know, spiritually speaking, as a pastor, I want to challenge us in this new day, this new year, because I think there is some things spiritually God wants us to confront. For some of you, you've been coming and sitting and listening a long time. It's time to get up. It's time to grow. It's time to move. God wants to do something new, but you can't come here and just keep doing the same. It's time to be be brave. And so today, as we go into the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament prophet. And I want, no matter whatever you have to face in 2018, I think it's time for us to realize we can be brave. God's given us what we need to be brave. Now, do this for me real quick, because I want to make sure that you're not asleep. Black coffee today, remember I told you that. Turn to your neighbor and say, be brave, be brave. And listen, if that's your husband or your wife, that means something different when you say that. If that's your kids right there next to you, that means something different. I get that. But, but we want to remind each other, you can be brave. You can be brave. You can be brave. Because oftentimes we don't feel it. And I want us to go to where we can learn it in this new year through this prophet of Elijah. Now, as you've turned there into 1 Kings 17, I'm taking you back into a time in the story of Israel where it's a very dark chapter in their history. Now, Israel is the people group that God's telling the greater story of salvation through. And so in the Old Testament, we hear a lot about Israel, the nation of Israel. Well, what I want you to see is this. In the early years of them getting a king, the very first three kings of their story, of their history, they had about 100 years of stability as a nation underneath these three kings. The first king is King Saul. Remember how God kind of chose him out to be their king, even though he wanted to be God over the people. The next king was David. And after King David was Solomon, his son. Now the first hundred years of Israel's reign, these were the kings. But at the end of Solomon's reign, civil war breaks out. And civil war breaks out and the nation divides. Most of the tribes went north, and they call these northern tribes Israel. The southern tribe, the one tribe Judah, goes down, and it establishes a kingdom as well. 
Now, if you keep reading through the Old Testament about Judah, Judah had about 17 kings over a 300-year time frame. And eight of those kings were men that walked and lived for God. Is that not strong? Israel, on the other hand, had the majority of the tribes, and they had 19 kings over that same time period, and all 19 kings were wicked men. They didn't walk and follow God. And I want you to pay attention to that because that is where Elijah shows up in the story. He's living in the northern kingdom. And to give you the more specific context about the king that he was serving, let's just go to 1 Kings chapter 16. And I'm going to read a couple of background verses to kind of paint the picture of where we're looking at today. Listen to the word of God. It says this, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, southern kingdom, Ahab, son of Omri, became the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. He reigned over Samaria and over Israel for 22 years. Now Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbal, king of the Sidonians. And he began to serve Baal, the false god, I would add. And he began to worship him. Ahab set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Asherah is the mother of Baal, the goddess of fertility. To do more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel than all the kings of Israel before him. So are you with me? What kind of king was Ahab? Come on. He, he was self-serving. He was wicked. And not only that, he, he didn't really honor and love the Lord. And he ends up getting a better life because he marries who? He marries a woman named what? Jezebel. Maybe you've heard of her. Isn't it interesting that thousands of years removed from this story, we still refer to Jezebel? Oh, that Jezebel, Right? Isn't it interesting the reputation, the witness that you can gain and over a long period of time? Well, Ahab ends up bowing down to the God of Jezebel, which happens to be the God of Baal, which is the fertility God. The God that's supposed to bless your crops, supposed to make you prosperous, and supposed to give your life abundance. And not only does he bow down to the wrong God, the false God, the one true God the God of covenant, the God Yahweh that we call Jehovah. Say that with me. Jehovah. One more time. Jehovah, the almighty one, the one and only God. Jezebel says we need to get rid and remove all of that worship to Jehovah. And all of our worship needs to be reserved for Baal and Baal alone. Come on, are you getting an idea of the context of the day that we find ourselves in? When we look here at this chapter in Israel's journey, we can begin to see how dark and how desolate times had become. And, and, and if you're Elijah and you're the prophet, like all other the kings, they all had a prophet that, that kind of was a confidant or a counselor too. 
if you're Elijah, your job is to speak into King Ahab. Now, you're going to often tell King Ahab the good things that are happening, but there's going to be moments where you're going to have to confront that King Ahab at times where it's not going to be popular. You might have to say some things to Ahab that could put your life in great jeopardy. And that is the job of Elijah. Come on, anybody here today want Elijah's job? Right? You thought your boss was bad. King Ahab was his boss. And it's that context that I want us to kind of transport to because this is exactly what Elijah has to do. He has to confront But what we know about Elijah, just like Jezebel, he's got a reputation thousands of years removed from his story. And Elijah is known, not just in the Bible, but even outside the Bible, as being a man that was brave. And that's what I want us to pay attention to. Do you know that if you travel to Israel to this day, if you go up on Mount Carmel, which that'll be week three if you stay around long enough, uh, there is a statue of, 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 of Elijah at the top of Mount Carmel. Look at this. And it's this idea of him taking on the false god of Baal, of him saying Jehovah is the one and only God. And it's that whole standoff and faith. And so as we look here at the pages of what we're looking at here in 1 Kings today, I want us to go there because God meets with Elijah in four different places. And in the next four Sundays, we're going to look at those four different places because I think it's the very place that God wants to meet with you right now this year. And these four places that are mapped out are literally geographical places, but they're bigger than geography. They're spiritual places that God wants to meet with you and wants to meet with me. So here they are. Week one, we're going to talk about this idea of mapping his private life. Week two, mapping his personal life. Week three, mapping his public life. And week four, mapping his painful moments. And so today we're going to look at this idea of private life because to me it's the birthplace of bravery. And we all want to be brave whether we feel it or not, but how do we get there unless we're willing to go where God is leading? And so right here in 1 Kings verse 1 of chapter 17, we meet Elijah for the very first time. Now, most of the times with prophets, you get to hear a lot more about their lineage of where they've come from. Elijah kind of just shows up on the scene, and we kind of don't know a whole lot about him except where he is from. And his first assignment we see written in Scripture is that he has to confront Ahab. Now, again, this is probably not going to go well. You're either going to get, what, imprisoned or punished or maybe even killed. Yet he has an opportunity. What is he going to do When God puts him in front of the king, is he going to be honest about Jehovah God or is he going to be be brave or is he going to walk away and try to preserve himself? Let's just listen to what Elijah does. Verse 1, watch this. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Not only does he confront the king 
on behalf of Jehovah God. But he goes further than that. He calls down a judgment on Ahab and upon the nation of Israel that there is not going to be rain. Now, I want you to picture this because this is a significant moment. If there's no rain, what's going to happen to the crops? If there's no crops, what's going to happen to the livestock? If there's no crops and no livestock, how are the people going to be fed? If there's no rain, there's a drought, and it's going to create what? A famine in the land. And it's in this moment of confrontation, I want to ask you again, what do you need to confront in 2018? Do you need to confront discouragement? Is that what this year's already started with? You feel discouraged? Do you need to confront disappointment? Do you need to confront complacency? What do you need to confront? Your fear? And fear's tricky. It can be fear of failure. It can be fear of rejection. It can be even fear of the future. But what you need to confront, you're going to be just like Elijah. Are you going to do it and confront it? Or are you going to walk away from it and save it for another day? I want us today to see the bravery of Elijah because today I think God wants us to move forward in faith this year and it's going to take us confronting what's in front. Do you have the courage though to confront? I'm going to ask it again. Do you have the courage to confront? And that's the hard part of this chapter as we look at it. Because whatever we're unwilling to confront, it's keeping us from freedom. It's keeping us from God. And that's the kind of reality that we've got to pay attention to this morning. Now let me just keep reading. Look at verse 2. Then, transition word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. I like that part. He did what the Lord had told him. And he went to the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan. He stayed there. And sure enough, the ravens brought him bread and meat to eat in the morning. And bread and meat to eat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Isn't that rich? That he ate and he drank while there was drought and while there was famine all over the land. And I want us to see something here because there's something that God wants us to see that's significant. God invites him with the word of God to come to a place. Now I'm going to show you a map of Israel. On this map, there is a physical location called the Kareth Ravine. The Kareth Ravine, or also the word Cherith, is where we derive that word. The Hebrew of Cherith means this. Look at this definition. This definition means to cut off, it means to hide, and it means to repair. God calls Elijah to leave the spotlight and to come where? To come to a private place, the Cherith Ravine. And in this place, Elijah, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to do something to you. I'm going to do something through you that's going to change you. And it's going to lead you. And it's going to show you what's going to happen next. I like even the language of that. This idea of God hiding him in a place, a secret place of repair. Come on. Some of you, God wants you to come to that place today. So he can begin to heal 
He can begin to repair the very things that have been broken in your life. And God is calling Elijah, I like this, he's calling him to get away from the noise. He's calling him to remove from the possible attack on his life. He's saying, you live in a world that's so noisy, I want you to silence the noise, Elijah. I want you to even silence yourself and even your own ego. And I want you just to simply receive from me. Now, I'm going to say a few pointed things here, and this is where the message is going to go today. Behind the scenes, behind the scenes is how God grows your character. I'm going to say that again because you need to write this down. Behind the scenes is how God grows your character. Now, when your character grows, your capacity grows. When your capacity grows, guess what? Your bravery grows. But it all happens behind the scenes with God. And God's going to do a work in Elijah. And I believe today God wants to do a work in you and me. If we're willing to go where he's calling us to go. Growing our character gives us greater capacity for bravery. And God pulls Elijah away for about a year. And it's in this place, this private place, that he cuts that he strips, that he equips, and he prepares Elijah for the days ahead. It's in his private place. So I'm going to ask you today, come on, black coffee, no cream and sugar, what's your private life look like right now with God? Hello. What's your private time? I'm not asking you, are you religious? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm saying outside of church, one-on-one, what's your one-on-one look like with God? What's your private time on Monday and Tuesday and, and Wednesday and Thursday and especially on Friday and Saturday? What's your time with God actually look like? Are you allowing God to grow your life behind the scenes? Or is this an area that God says, you need to surrender this to me? I love how quiet it's been all morning long talking about our time with God. Because it's in this place that God's saying, this is how your capacity will grow. But you you got to come to me and surrender to me first. Are you willing to be alone with God behind the scenes? Let me give you one question to kind of help you if you need some help to evaluate your own heart in this question. Here's the question. If you're asking, "Do do I have enough time with God? Am I spending enough time with God? Here it is, here it is, here it is. Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? We live in a noisy world, do we not? There's a lot of voices telling us who we're supposed to be, setting our expectations, telling us what to do. There's a lot of voices. But is God's voice the loudest voice in your life right now? If the answer is no, then guess what? You showed up on the right Sunday today. Because God wants to give you some steps today to step back into his presence today and to come to this place of Cherith, this Cherith Ravine for you personally, right on time for you. Notice this, three things God does right here in this passage for Elijah, and I think he wants to do it for us today. He, God leads, I love it, God feeds, and God protects. Now, let's just kind of narrow in on that for a minute. God leads. Let's just start there. I like the way he leads. It says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. How does God lead Elijah? With the word of God. I love it. He leads him with his holy word, this timeless word, this living word. And it's in the word that he wants to prompt Elijah's life. 
When I thought about that, I was a youth pastor for about 12 years. My repeating sermon, my sermon that would cycle again and again and again and again was always talking to teenagers about how to have a quiet time. Matter of fact, as soon as a kid came to a place where they realized they needed Jesus and they surrendered their life to Jesus, they said, yes, I wanted to immediately put a copy of the Bible in their hand and I wanted to give them a journal and I wanted to say, okay, now this is when it really gets good. I wanted to teach them how to read the word of God, how to pray to God daily and begin to see God in their daily life. There's something powerful about how to spend time with God. And I wanted teenagers to get it. Do you know what's funny? Is I'm just like teenagers. I still do this to this very day. I I marked up my journal even the last few days, getting ready for this new year. And I've got boxes literally of journals that date all the way back to when I was a believer at age 14. Now, I don't go reference those journals a whole lot, but you know what I love about those journals? Those are me marking my what? My private time with God. Do you know that you never graduate from needing private time with God? I I need God to tell me something brand new this year that he's never told me before. And I want to be in that place where I can actually hear it. Am I the only one today in this room? Are you with me? God wants to lead us. God wants to lead you. But will you let him lead you? He wants to lead you through his word. When I think about this idea of leading, this idea of trusting and believing in the Lord and leading my life, I I, I know for me, my time with God happens best in the morning. Come on, how many morning people do we have in the room today? Come on, okay, about 50 of you. That stinks for you because you live in Northern Virginia where early happens early, early, early. That's God's sense of humor, isn't it? To place you in the place on the map where everybody has to wake up early and you hate the morning, right? Can I tell you how you could love the morning? Invite God into your morning. Right? Come on. Preach, preacher. Right? Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectingly. Isn't that good? Look at Psalm 88. Look what it says. It says, I cry out for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. So there's my biblical stance to say, meet God, meet God, even when you hate the morning, love God in the morning. I even love the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, he even modeled for us this importance of having private time with the Lord. Look at what Luke writes about Jesus. He said, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Come on. If Jesus is our example and this is how he lived his life, guess what? He's the perfect one. I'm going to follow Jesus' way and I'm going to realize that I need God to lead me, to lead me. And that's what God wants to do. That's how he wants to lead us through the word of God. But it takes commitment to allow God to lead you. You see, we have to quiet our hearts and we have to live our lives in such a way where we can hear God's whisper to our hearts and souls. In the 12th century, Monks practiced this Benedictine practice called Lectio Divina. This Latin word, Lectio Divina, talking about wanting to understand the voice of God or the word of God, the holy word of God. And there was four things that they would do to practice learning how to listen to God in his word, from his word. Here we go. Let me give you these four words. I want you to write these things down. Reading was the first word. Meditating was the second word. Praying 
was the third word. And contemplating was the fourth word. They said, when you come to the Word of God, you really need to be doing all four of these things. Because when you read the Word of God, it's like taking a bite. That's a good place to start. But it says meditating is like chewing on the Word of God. This is why my journal helps me. I'll read something, I'll go, say what, God? And I'll even write that down. God, what does this verse even mean? And as I'm wrestling and chewing with that, I'm, I'm letting it begin to reveal some things to me. And then to go further with it, to come to prayer, you begin to surrender to what God's trying to reveal. And by the time you get to co- uh, contemplating at the end, you're now ready to put the word from your mind to your heart and into action. This idea of Lectio Divina is this practice of saying, God, lead me. God, lead me. You know what Elijah learned? That as God leads, I get more brave. God wants to lead us. God wants to lead us. Number two, God wants to feed us. I love this part. This is the part of the story where the story gets crazy. This is that part when you read it out loud and you know you're going to have unbelievers here today and you're going, well, I can't really explain this part. It's kind of a crazy part. Yeah, ravens actually bring food to Elijah in the morning and the evening. A raven does that. Now, how many Ravens fans do I have today? Man, it takes boldness to raise that hand, right? Especially in the big DMV area. I had about three hands in this hour. Well, listen, right here, you've got a biblical purpose for a raven, finally. (laughs) Outside of losing the last week and missing the playoffs, right? Just saying, just saying, just saying. But it's interesting here. Don't miss this part. In this part, God feeds. He physically feeds and he spiritually feeds Elijah. There's something about this. This is so big. This is so good. This is so rich. Think about this for a second. There is a drought on the land. There is a famine on the land. And Elijah is walking and talking with God. And what is God doing? God is feeding him physically. God is feeding him spiritually while the whole world is missing it and looking to Baal to be prosperous for them. He's looking to the one true God and God is showing him, you can trust me. There's something about learning how to trust God that only happens when we start trusting him to meet our needs and learning that he's a God that can be trusted. Unlike the God of fertility, the God of Baal that's supposed to bring blessing and rain and abundance and food. Where's that God right now? Well, Elijah gets to see that the one true God is meeting him and feeding him. You know, I try to imagine what it would have been like with Elijah in that private place with God. And and this prayer hadn't been recorded yet in the Bible. But I could just imagine Elijah waking up one morning, getting down on his knees... And saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Can't you just see him praying and trusting and believing? But how did he learn to trust until he actually had to receive the very food of God? I love this. I love this. God wants to feed you this year. 
Are you going to slow down and be quiet enough to let him give you what you need this year? There's something about this that, that God wants us to see. This is how we become brave. Elijah is learning a relationship. He's learning that he can trust God. And then this last part, God protects. Now God hides Elijah away from King Ahab to protect him physically. We get that. Yet during this private time, the Lord God is preparing Elijah for the days ahead. And in preparation, he leads Elijah to build some boundaries for his life. Do you know that we all need boundaries for our life? And you know how boundaries are formed? They're formed in our private time. You see, sometimes we think, oh, I will never do. And you can fill in the gap what we say we'll never do. But if you don't plan for it way back here... You might get into a situation, you might step over a line you never intended to cross. You know, as I preach, I often talk about this. I want, I want believers that are walking and talking with God at Mount Era to be about five steps from stupid. Think about that one for a minute. I don't want us to be people that are going all the way to the edge saying, how far can I go without stepping over the line? No, because when you're already there, you're already too far. We need to be five steps back so that the first step, the Holy Spirit can convict. And we're going, what are we doing? What are we willing to sacrifice? What are we about to throw away? I want to be five steps back. Come on, don't you want to be five steps back? But see, it's in our private time, it's where our integrity is, is growing if we're with God. But you know what? Integrity always gets tested in interesting times in our life. And you know when we're most tempted to have an integrity lapse. I just read this recently. It's two times in our lives. One, right after a great victory. And number two, right after a great trial. Right after a great victory, if we're not careful, we'll begin to think the rules don't apply to me anymore. And right after a great trial, we'll have an easier time to justify why we deserve to choose sin in that time of sorrow. You know, as I say that out loud, I realize right now I'm in a very vulnerable place in my walk with God. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I've come through a great trial in my life. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not five steps back, I could fall into a place of throwing away the very things that God's been building for a long time. You know what that means? That means my, my quiet time is going to have to be even more focused in these days right now of where I'm at. And listen, I'm just confessing that. But right now, I'd ask you this question. Come on, would you answer it? What are your three most vulnerable areas of your life? This might be the most insightful part of the whole sermon for you today. For you to finally let the light shine on three areas that you know you could fall to temptation in. Does it have something to do with money? Does it have to do something online? Does it have to do something with a relationship that you have no business pursuing? Come on, what are, where's the three areas for you? Are you willing to let God in that place to back you up and to protect you and to draw some boundaries around you so that, so that you can be all that God wants you to be and you can be brave? Because see, our our integrity matters. Our character matters. And Jesus wants to do something in us that we can't even do for ourselves. But are we willing to surrender enough to let him do it in us? Come on, are you with me today, church? But see, we live in a time where we don't ever turn it off. It's always loud. It's always noise. 
It's always voices. It's all these things. It's this digital age that we're in and we're unwilling. We're unwilling to draw the boundaries that we need. We're unwilling to turn it off on certain times of the day. We're unwilling to unplug. We're unwilling to be disconnected from social media. And all of a sudden, all this stuff that we think is going to help us ends up becoming the very thing that what? That hurts us. Because we're unwilling to what? Draw the boundaries. Come on. We need boundaries from technology every year, every month, every week, every day. We got to turn it off. And we've got to what? We got to have some private time with just us and God. But see, that space that used to be private is now filled with all this movement, all these alerts, text messages, messages from Facebook, right? Somebody commented, somebody liked, somebody did, and all this stuff. The space that we used to give to God now is all filled with all this stuff. And I'm just telling you, we're not designed to be under that light 24-7. I'm going to really date myself here. Come on, old people in the room. (sighs) How many of y'all remember when reality TV showed up on the scene and we watched some of these early early renditions of reality TV where they put the camera on and anything went. You know, I, One of the early shows, and MTV was doing all these reality shows, one of them was over a newlywed, maybe you've met them before, <laughs> Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey. I thought I was going to sing a tune from this, but I don't know either one of their songs, so I couldn't do that. But it's interesting as they were newly married, and they said, hey, let's do a show where we let everybody see what it's like to be married and be in our family. You didn't have to watch the show, but I'll go ahead and tell you this. Their marriage and no marriage could endure that kind of attention 24-7 under cameras. And sure enough, it didn't last, did it? It disintegrated and they ended in divorce. And I thought about that and there's a new movie out, The Circle. I watched that not too long ago with my kids and it's one of these disconnecting. You know, she's trying to connect her whole life and mark every minute of every day. And she realizes quickly you can't live underneath that kind of watch all the time. And I'm just here to tell you today, spiritually, God says, I love you, Elijah. Come with me to the Cherith Ravine. And today he's saying, I love you. Come meet with me. I want to protect you. I want to protect you. Anybody hearing God's voice today? Because when we start thinking about who's going to be the loudest voice in our life, I think it's important for us to see because what happens behind the scenes will determine the capacity of our lives. And the reason why, come on, stay with me, the reason why so many people are feeling overwhelmed, so many people are feeling insecure, the reason why so many people feel inadequate, it is due to the lack of our ability to give God the time behind the scenes. And see, whatever you do in your private life will eventually show up in your public life. And that's good or bad. And so the question is, what's showing up in your life? It'll reveal to the world who you're spending time with. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out. And before they do, let me give you the verse that just spoke to my heart. Because I think God's calling us to be brave. And there was a verse that I used to drive into camp when I was a brand new Christian. Mount Lebanon. And they had this on a signpost driving into their campgrounds. It said this. Psalm 46.10 Be still. And know that I am God. Can I tell you, this is a hard verse to put into practice in our age that we're living in right now. 
but you want to confront some things this next year? You want to be brave this next year? Be still and know that I am God. That's what God says to you. As we close this service out today, I want to do a little evaluation. And as I thought about this, I thought about the people sitting here today that, that might even say, well, you know, it's interesting to hear about a prophet in the scriptures. And, you know, you hear about this Old Testament prophet. What am I going to have to relate to a prophet, you know? And we start to kind of think of Elijah's life. And because his reputation of bravery is so big and so great, we could put him in like superhero status, right? Or we could put him in a place where we almost make him like God. But you know what I want you to see about Elijah's life is that Elijah, Elijah had an opportunity in front of him with him and God that I think you and I have as well. Elijah just happened to be born in a time in history where people were moving away from God. Does that sound familiar? And God needed a man named Elijah to call people back to God, the one true God. Can I say something about Elijah's name that I just love? Elijah's name means Jehovah is my God. Is that not good? Here King Ahab, here Jezebel, they're running another direction. They're trying to remove all the worship of true God Jehovah. And Elijah's very name, his very name means Jehovah is my God. The Lord is my God. The Lord is my God. Is he your God? Is that your name? And if we didn't get that distinct, let me show you this part. A couple of thousand years after Elijah in the New Testament, they're still remembering the prophet Elijah and James, the brother of Jesus, he gives us this about Elijah. Watch this, James chapter five, verse 17. It says, Elijah, I like this part, was what? Come on, Elijah was, Elijah was, a human being, even as we are. He's just like us. But he prayed. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. I love it. James is trying to dial our hearts in. He's trying to show us, guess what? The same faith that Elijah have is possible for you and me. The same bravery that Elijah have is capable for you and me. We just gotta be willing to take the same journey. Are you willing to go where God's calling us to go today? Are you willing to go to that private place? You know, when we think about this invitation today, I, I thought about the people sitting here among us that there might be somebody here that's not a follower of Christ. And maybe like the time in Israel where there's famine in the land, maybe right now there's famine in your land. There's famine in your marriage. There's famine in your family. There's famine at your job. And it's not a physical famine, but it might be a spiritual famine. And right now you're wondering, what do I do with all this? Can I tell you today, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is your answer. Jesus is who you need to cry out to. Jesus is who you need to begin with. But then I started thinking about the famine in some of my brothers and sisters' lives. Got a lot of family of God here today. I love it. Beginning of a brand new year. What's 18? 2018, what's it going to be for you? Is it going to be another year of famine? Or is this the year God brings the rain? Come on, do you see what God's doing? Do you see this? The same God that invited Elijah to come, man, he is inviting you and me to come. Come on, church. 
What is he saying to us? He's saying, come. He's saying, come. And here's how we evaluate our hearts. Is my voice the loudest voice? Is my voice what you're hearing the most? Come on, I love you. I gave my son Jesus for you, why? Because I wanna show you I wanna lead you. I wanna show you I wanna feed you. I wanna show you I wanna protect you. Will you trust me? It's time, it's time to be brave. Are you willing to go where God's inviting us to go this year? At the end of the service, I want my prayer team to come at the front, and I believe today somebody's gonna begin a relationship with Jesus. And this is not even a salvation message. You know what this message is? It's a discipleship message. And so I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna call you to action today, and I'm gonna invite you today, because I don't know how you heard this message today. But I believe today God's called you to move, to take a step towards the private place that he wants to meet with you in. Right now today, Christian in the room, if God is not the loudest voice in your life, it's time for you to begin time with God each and every day to get back to that place. So I'm gonna do something different. With your eyes wide open and the lights still up, I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you're a Christ follower in the room and you have been convicted this morning that your private time with God is not what it needs to be, and today you want that, to change not just that to change but for your year to change if I'm talking to you I want you right now in full obedience to the Lord to stand up right now on your feet and say I need to do better in my quiet time this year anybody else come on anybody else anybody else God sees you God knows you God wants you to live he wants you to live don't stand up if you don't want to now listen standing up doesn't change anything it just shows that there's conviction right now What's gonna change is you surrendering this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day and beginning to walk with God. So I wanted to get real specific for you right now. Tomorrow is Monday. I want you right now to think, where am I gonna be to meet with God tomorrow? What time is it gonna be when I meet with God? I want you to make that specific because if you don't do this now while you're in conviction, you might not take a step this next week. And I don't want you to think about just 18. I want you to think just the next seven days. Seven days. This is not about a resolution. This is a confrontation to say, God, you've got my heart this year. And I need you this year. I need you to lead me. Oh, God, I need you to feed me. I need you to protect me from what's coming. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are saying yes to you today yes to walking with you in a private place so that their character their integrity their capacity for life can grow god it's time to come alive in the word of god it's time to come alive in prayer it's time it's time to get up and live and god i believe there's going to be some brave brothers and sisters in the faith and god i can't wait i can't wait to see what you're going to do in their life, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this church in this next 365 days. God, we want to be brave, and in Jesus Christ, we can be brave. God, today for that person that has never asked Jesus into their life, may they not leave here today without walking to one of our prayer partners and saying, help me ask Jesus in. God, today is your day. This is your moment. You lead us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, 